0: Torontonian listeners, welcome to a special edition of The Wrap-Up. I am your host, Aiden Moss. I am joined by Oren Weisfeld, Kyle Brickman. Sahal would love to be here, but he's a working man, and he's got a thousand jobs and volunteer jobs. Good for that man. He can't join us, but he'll be here on Friday for another special edition. Today, we're going to go through some awards big award ceremony it's the second biggest award ceremony next to the oscars unfortunately we're doing this digital so there's no physical contact allowed um we're going to talk about some some of our favorite moments some of the uh, traditional awards and so on and some we can we're going to brag we're going to uh admit our faults and foibles and so on and so forth so uh guys welcome to the show
1: Thanks so much for having me, man. First time here, long-time listener, but <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, everything you guys do. I like how you guys do spaces, especially. You guys are really good at the Twitter spaces. Space. Yeah,
0: we've mastered that. You've dominated it. You guys yeah. are absolutely dominated. it.
2: Yeah. Um, long-time spaces listeners will
0: uh, <laughs> realize
2: uh, if you you were in the first space, no, you weren't. This is It's starting anew. Here we go.
1: This is right. a new era of us going on, on Twitter spaces. so
0: Let's cut the shit. We're going to go with, you know, we're like the Oscars. We're doing the bi- the most important award first. Um, and we're going to start with the MVP of the Toronto Raptors. But By the way, this is all Toronto Raptor award stuff. We're not <laughs> doing anybody else. Just in case anybody was wondering why we keep choosing Raptors for all the awards. Um, it's not because we're biased. It's because it's the only thing we pay attention to. Uh so Oren why don't you tell us who you're let's go around with everybody naming their MVP and then we'll say our reasons why how about that
1: okay well we all have the same MVP I'll tell you that right now Boy, and uh you it's guys have Pascal. Cambridge too yeah it's Pascal Siakam <laughs> and I mean there was the only other player you can make a case for is Fred who had the better start of the year probably the better 20 games but ever since then you know 60 or so the last 60 games of the year Pascal has been the better player and the past 20 or so games of the year he's been dramatically better with Fred hobbling around a little bit they've really put the ball in his hands and and just asked Siakam to be like literally a point guard on one end of the floor and a center on the other and there's not a lot of players in the league who can do that and even if you asked me coming into the season, like if Siakam would be able to handle point guard responsibilities, I would be shocked. But the fact that he can just lets them play different ways. Like when when Fred is getting schemed out, they'll just start putting the ball in Siakam's hand and put Fred off ball. And his versatility, I guess, is what I'm saying, is what really makes him the MVP. Guard multiple positions, play multiple positions on offense. He's had a really efficient season. And he's gonna lead them to a champ. No, okay, but Siakam's my guy.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's not even thing. worth getting into more. Like he's the best player in this team. I, I don't think there's a serious argument for anyone but him. And that's that's that. Frankly, I, I think we ought to move on as quick as possible because there's the, unless unless Aiden, you have a super hot take, you want to do a nice little flip on us, you want to zag. I think we're done.
0: <laughs> I think I think healthy Freddie. Had had a had a shot, but uh, and he actually, um, he he leads by 0.5 points in the points for this team, but but virtually Pascal leads every raw stack category. Uh, I know some of the advanced stats favor Freddie, but like you watch this game, you watch the last half of this season, and Pascal and it, and it kind of speaks to the narrative of this team. Um, the start of the season, maybe Freddie and Pascal were, were equals. You know, maybe it was like a, a, a two-man leading team. And now it's it's square on the shoulders of Pascal. And part of that's Freddie's knee. But I think just really he had the higher ceiling. He took the advantage of that, high, that potential. Um, and so now this is Pascal's team. And thank God for that because I think we'd be in a lot of trouble if Pascal hadn't turned into an all-NBA type player like he has.
1: Yeah, like no disrespect to Fred, but if he's your number one option going into the playoffs, shrinked. you're frinked.
0: Yeah. That's Okay, on. so consensus. We got Pascal Siakam. We're going to go to arguably the second most important award of the night, not to, not to bury all the other ones. Defensive player of the year. Now, I think this is a difficult one because of the way in which Toronto plays defense. Um, it's why we as Raptor fans are maddened by national media and the the way in which they don't honor our guys is maybe because as a team, we're so deadly and, and it, we, it glosses over the individual awards. I really think there's three Raptors that are like top 25 defenders in the league, but maybe I'm just super biased and only watch Raptor games. Kyle, who do you have as your defensive player of the year?
2: Yeah, um, this might be another one where we're all in agreement, but I'm taking Pascal. I think there's a good argument to be made about Freddie. Freddie will probably make an all-defensive team, or although the game's argument, but whatever. He'll probably make an all-defensive team, and, and Pascal won't. But like he's, Pascal's the most versatile defender in this team, uh, depending, I guess, on how you feel about Precious Zachua. But in my mind, the most versatile de- defender in this team. Um, he's arguably their best... Uh, like defender on wings i think he's probably their best rim protector like as uh, again with like he doesn't he doesn't get the opportunities necessarily that others do but i think he's probably their best rim protector and he's just the most talented player and like period on this team so again we're gonna we promise you guys we're gonna get into more contentious awards but as of right now i i got nothing
0: it's pascal Warren, do you, do you have anything different? Yeah, I'll make the argument for
1: Fred because I thought you guys both had Fred in the document at first. No? I I'm, transitioned to Siakam. You transitioned? You can't yeah, transition I midway know. through the freaking program, buddy. This is what TV... In TV, you got to stick to your... No. Um, I'll, I'll make the argument for Fred, which is um, first with Siakam, he has dealt with foul trouble a lot this season. I think like that's the only real mark... Lately, his, he hasn't. No, lately he hasn't. But on the whole, in the season, especially when he came back, but even really the first thirty or so games, he was uh, dealing with foul trouble a lot to the point where they were taking him off, guys, or sitting him down a little bit. So I, I think that is the mark on on Siakam. If you're pointing fingers, but like uh, he does, he does definitely do more than anyone on this team in terms of what they ask him to do defensively. I'll say Fred though just because of first of all like the way he organizes them he's the guy who like brings a sense of like chill out to the team like he's the he he's the he's the adult in the room for sure on defense he's always in the right place he's making up for guys mistakes especially like perimeter players mistakes he's always in the right place to kind of just slow whatever it is down and and kind of make them the offensive player take an alternate route to wherever they want to go and like as we're going to see against philadelphia he has some of the best hands in the league i know he's up where with deflections and steals but that's so important the way the raptors play defense where they want to swarm the post it doesn't really matter if you swarm the post if you're not t- getting hands on the ball and more often than not fred is the guy who's actually poking the ball loose and then he doesn't get the credit for the steal because whoever grabs the ball does, right? But he's usually the guy who's actually causing the ball to be to be loose there. And, I mean, there's a reason that, like, all of the advanced stats have him as one of the best defenders in the league. It's because the Raptors don't get scored on as much when he is on the floor. So, I think um, I'm going with Fred.
0: Another... Another statistical travesty of NBA.com is this, like, inability to track strips as steals and blocks and stuff. Like, just make it consistent. Um, Freddie not only has some of the best hands in the league, he has some of the strongest. And I think that's, like, an important detail. Like, he wrenches balls out of very strong people's hands and arms in 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 situations in which they're gathering and they're using the force of both hands going up. Like it's not, it's not just little like literal pokes, you know what I mean? And so that to me, I like I've seen very few players of his stature that are capable of that. And I think that's really incredible. He's also possibly, he's the best cerebral, I think, team defender. Um, He's just limited by his size more. and, And so Pascal takes him in that but I will defend Precious Achua quickly. He leads um, the team in overall defensive raptor now, which is like surprising to me because for a while there, Fred was like running away with it. Um, although Fred's total raptor is by far the best on the team, um, I think I think Pascal's the most elite at all positions. But but uh, or sorry. I think, or I think Pascal's the best, like, a better team defender than Precious. But Precious, from one through five, is possibly better than Pascal. Like, he's not at all times. But over the course of the season, particularly towards the end, like, Precious was locking down basically anybody who he was guarding. And it's not consistent. It's not – it's not – um Yeah. It's not consistent, but I I think like there is a case to be made for him. And I think OG would have had a case made for him had he played more. That's just unfortunate.
2: Yeah, like I get where you're coming from with Fred. I'm just, I will always be partial to the dude who's like 6'9 over whatever, 5'10. And uh, that's kind of it. So, uh, and I'm with you. Precious terrific defender. I think he's probably better if this makes sense, one through five and Pascal's better, like two through four. And yeah. but the the magnitude of which Pascal is better two through four makes him the defensive player of the year. That's exactly um, what
0: I was trying to say. That's well
2: put.
1: All right. Would, would you guys rather be five ten though or six nine?
2: I'm taking six nine. I think if there is a point in which I would I'm taking like five ten over like being super tall, but six nine is not that point.
1: I'm at that. That's too
0: tall for me. I don't want to be 6'9". I would if I were like just 6'4", I would be so happy. I hate being 5'11.5". and a half. <laughs> All right. Sure. Okay, moving along. Uh I think this is our first contentious one. Uh most improved player of the year. I see here in our trusty little chart that we each have a different entry. Uh seeing as I haven't gone first yet. I'll start. Um, and fittingly, I chose Precious Achua. Um, I think where he came from last year to this year is, is by far is one of the biggest jumps in the league, frankly. Like I know he doesn't, he's not going to get the same shine as like Darius Garland or like John ja Morant or whatever, but who he was and who he's become is to me like the starkest contrast he was a raw like rebounding lob threat he was never going to play beyond a power forward and some and some was frankly too small to play center at times um you saw a little bit of development in the summer when he played for nigeria you saw it in summer league a little bit but it was it was like clunky it was awkward um he he just like he'd do a crossover and the ball would go flying somewhere or like he would take a, a like his ability to understand the game at this as well as his skill set was still like extremely raw and underdeveloped and you look at him now and he's almost to the point where you you and not always again his consistency is his biggest like weakness right now but he's almost to the point where we can't afford to have him not playing. Um and I think there's gonna be some series where that is the case, like he like because of his size and length, particularly I think against Milwaukee, uh, if we ever get there. But and and so now we're see, he's he's been a forty percent three point shooter for like the last third of the year. His at rim percentage is still pretty bad for bigs, but it's improved. Like you you can demonstratively see his touch from where it was. Like he can he couldn't hit anything at the beginning of the year within three feet, and now he's he's making finishes in traffic that are contested. Um, and defensively, he's making the right reads. He's like playing guys straight up. He's not. Uh, He's, he's not um getting lost, so to me like he wins most improved by because of the golf that he covered um from last year to to now
1: yeah I think that's a good one i th- I thought about him I thought about both your guys' selections but I tried to you know shine some light on a third guy so I'm going with Chris Boucher um mm-hmm. And I think I'm going with him not because he's actually the most improved but because I had given up on him as as a Raptor. I recall. Yeah, many a time, many a time I as had given real. up on him and and I thought like at the very least the trade deadline for sure he's going to be gone. And you know, just before the trade deadline he started playing way better and now I think like if you put if you ask me to put the odds on it like I think they'll probably even retain him in the in the offseason although like the playoffs are going to be another huge test for him um but just for Boucher for me it's not even it's not the offense at all it's like completely on the defensive side of the ball like what he did to Harden a couple times recently (laughs) taking those charges and just like it it surprises me because his defensive awareness was never good before this season he was always the guy who, like, people had to tell, no, you have to be here instead of here. And this season, it feels like he's always in the right place at the right time. His rotations are, like, he's saving the guys with these last-second rotations. His closeouts have gotten a lot better, although sometimes he'll still jump when he doesn't need to. But especially under the rim, it just feels like he he's taking so many more charges. I know he leads the team. And that's just, to me, like... Uh, you know, evidence that he's reading the game better and he knows where to be and when to be there. And and I, that caught me off guard, I'll say. So, and then obviously on top of that, there's the offense, there's the offensive rebounding, which has been huge. There's a the three-point shooting, which has not been bad at all. Um, so, Chris Boucher, you are my most improved.
0: Um, I'm all for that. I, in Manny's round table where he asked, who uh who should be nominated in the league for an award other than Scotty for rookie of the year? I threw Boucher out there for sixth man of the year. Like his numbers don't shine, but he he doesn't get he's not even in the conversation. I think he should be for for how important he's been to this team when him and Precious come onto the floor uh in late in the first quarter. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. I'm I've got uh like Kind of, I
2: guess, unorthodox pick, but mine has to be Fred Van Vliet. I, I think the jump from good player to all-star, although it's not, like, the same magnitude as the jump Precious took, which was basically, like, barely in the league. like bouncing <laughs> between, the, like, the the, G, the end of the bench and the G League type thing to a uh, rotation guy. I think that Fred's jump is so much harder to make, and so many guys get to the level that Fred was, like, even last year and don't make that next step to all-star. So, uh, the counting stats almost no different between this year and last year. The advanced stuff, though, he's uh, his BPM is like a point higher. His his Raptor is higher. Like so, clearly he's doing something. Fred is that is better than last year beyond just uh, the the traditional metrics. And I think it is sort of reflected as you mentioned earlier. He's, he's a leader defensively. He is um, commanding a team that is like a playoff team in a way that we never really saw from him. And I guess maybe the improvement is less so play and more so just like being the face of the franchise or the face that leads to the locker room in Kyle's absence. So maybe it's like most improved uh, personality as along with uh, player.
1: Yeah, I think Fred is, does what Kyle did in that like he just puts his imprint on a game, every game, even if he's not shooting the ball well or whatever. Like that's why I also picked him for a defensive player was like we saw a few games late in the season, even on a hobbled knee. I remember against Orlando and then I think also uh the Hawks, where like Fred had like five steals in each of those games. It was literally like changed the way that those teams played. And it was just like so impressive for a guy who doesn't have like the physical skills to do that.
0: Yeah, I think and to add to Freddie's case, like the beginning of the year when he was playing at an all-star level, like a lot of the Raptors weren't playing very well. Like they, like who the Raptors are now compared to back then is vastly different. Yeah. For he Pascal. Carried them for right. Sure. Like he threw them on the back and played out of yeah, his mind. Played. Like, like th- that, that's a lot of respect. That being said, like you said earlier about if, if Freddie's your, fr- your number one player, um, like you're in a little bit of trouble. I think, Freddie's best role on this team is the Kyle, Kyle Lowry which is 1b or 2a as your offensive option um like that like clutch like big shot or drive to the rim um but most but but mostly being the second option or like the you know the switch to the weak side or whatever else or the yeah so I'm happy to like unfortunately it's because of his knee but I I like how the hierarchy has has shaken out Okay. Uh, Everybody feel good about
2: that. I feel great. Listen, uh, we got to get into something a little a little bit less traditional, though. We've done the classic NBA awards.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's get into something a little less traditional. The, who are you who would you want to date your sister <laughs> award? All right. Who do you guys want to date your sister? I'm picking
0: no, no. <laughs> not that. I'm definitely choosing OG. He's just holding hands the whole time good guy um yeah i get are you alluding to game of the year kyle is that what you're talking about i i think i was okay uh kyle why don't you lead us off what game well why don't you first define to the listeners how you conceive of game of the year so to me the definition of game
2: of the year has to be uh the The game either that it was most notable because of something that you know, something crazy happened in it, a big comeback, um, you know, a a statement win, or just pure enjoyment. Um, and I won't, I kind of can't fault you either way, but I went with, and although it's a little bit recency bias, and even more so because the Raptors are playing the Sixers of the playoffs, but I'm going Raptors 119, Sixers 114 on April 7th, just last week less than a week ago, I did the wrap up on this game and I had to rewatch the wrap up to see how I was feeling. About it. I mean, honestly, like, um, like we kind of knew at the time it was a potential playoff preview. It turns out that we were right about it. Um, just a tremendous Siakam performance really like outplayed Embiid, completely outplayed Embiid who will either be the MVP or the, the you know, number two MVP runner up. Um, and, and it, it gave me a, a sense of hope about this upcoming series that I really, I kind of didn't have before. If I'm being completely honest, and it it filled me with like a sense of uh, I'm ex- I'm excited about this series now. I would have dreaded this series at a at a certain point, even earlier in this year, like a you know. But I'm I'm kind of ready to go for game one. I, I I don't know how you guys feel, but like this is hell yeah, We're I'm in a great place with this Raptors team right now, partially because of this game
1: yeah I'm in a great place mentally too thanks no but uh this was my game of the year as well and it was like you said after the game I said like I'm ready to lose some money on this series like I knew right away like that like the way that Siakam played number one as you mentioned I think 37 12 and 12 or something was just encouraging not just because the numbers but because of the Sixers said, okay, this isn't working. We're going to put Embiid on this guy. And it didn't matter. Like, And that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. Their stopgap option is to put Embiid on Siakam. That's always going to be their break in case of emergency. I've been watching 2019 series because I'm sick in the head. And that's game one. They put Tobias Harris on Siakam. He went for 29 on 15 shots. Game two, from there on, it was all Embiid on Siakam but this is a different Siakam as we saw in that game. And that's what was so encouraging. It's like you can put Embiid on me and that's just going to open up different avenues of my game. Yeah. I'm not going to score in the same way I was scoring when Tobias was on me, but I'm still going to score or set up my teammates to score. Like Siakam has just become this all around player (laughs) who there's really no one way of stopping. Um, so It was definitely exciting. And then the other exciting part about it was like, it was an embarrassing performance from the Sixers straight up. They came into Toronto and wanted to win because they wanted to avoid the Raptors. It was obvious like that they really wanted to win this game. And yet everything they tried didn't work. And especially the reason that this game flipped my idea of like, before this game, I would have picked the Sixers. Now I'm picking the Raptors and it's because of the way James Harden played. Like he was just God awful (laughs) and not just like people like he lost a step. Yes. Okay. His burst is not there. That's fine. But like the bigger thing is he's scared. He doesn't want to shoot. He doesn't want to drive. He just wants to get off the ball. And that shows me like, okay, if that's how you're approaching this game, that is so important. How are you going to, why is your, why is something just going to flip in the, in the playoffs? Like,
0: I don't think it will. Yeah, I'm going to refrain from adding on to that because that sounds like playoff preview-like talk, which we're going to get to on Friday. But I will say about that game, Freddie and OG didn't play. Yeah, right. right? That's so, also like, why it was embarrassing. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, we are demonstrably better with both of them, obviously. So, yeah. However, that was not my game. Uh, my game was March 30th, Toronto raptors 125 Minnesota Timberwolves, 102. Um, I will say honor, uh, honorable mention to um, the heat Raptors game, which went to triple overtime where the Raptors, 124, 120, uh, which also like launched an eight game winning streak. But um, to me, this game like stands out as the game of the year because um, it was like, the the true moment of Toronto's ultimate powers. Like we've we've never had a healthy uh, roster basically all year. The only player missing in this game was Malachi Flynn. Um, we That's had huge. what's that? It's a huge, huge miss. Huge, huge. miss. Um, they they've only played twenty one games together. We finally had Precious Boucher and Thad uh, on on the bench. Um, and the first quarter. The wolves won thirty to tw- one. They won the first quarter thirty to twenty, um, and the second quarter it burgeoned to forty to twenty three. So like Minnesota starting to roll, and you saw them last night how their momentum can kind of carry them. That swagger, that like arrogance, really. Um, and then the Raptors won the ga- The rest of the game one hundred twenty two to sixty two. Like, they utterly throttled them. And the best part about that is combined, Freddie and Siakam went ten for thirty. They didn't even play well. Um, and, like, you mentioned Pascal being an all-around player now. Like, the, that was another, like, proving point in the season where, like, okay, you're going to double-team Pascal. Like, that's not going to flummox him. He's just going to find the open man. He had a uh, uh, season-high 13 assists. Um, so, like, to me, that's – like you guys said, the Philly game gave you hope. This game, this game, I, I came away from being like, damn, like, this team can – if they are all playing at a high level at the same time, they could they could actually beat anybody. Can they do it over the course of a seven-game series? Like, Maybe not, but um, what, this team has the potential to be elite, and I think that was the game that stood out to me. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. I, like absolutely great.
2: I couldn't agree more. Uh, should we get into moment of the year? Yeah. I've got... I've got mine a little bit of a cheat. I'll be honest. I didn't know whether this is considered part of like the year as in like the regular season, but I'm going with uh Scotty draft night reaction, just the dance, the hug with his mom, the way he got up and pumped his fist. Um, to me, that kind of, yeah, that kind of has to be, because it signifies something about the future of this franchise and the way I'm justifying it to be as part of this year, because we wouldn't have had it in last year's wrap up. And so it has to be in, I know it's in some sort of weird purgatory between this year and last year, but who cares? I'm, I'm counting it. I think this was, that was the moment that filled me with the most joy in the pat in the calendar year. Um, and hopefully there'll be a more joyous moment. In this, you know, in these next couple of months, but if not, I, I'm still gonna have the Scotty draft night. He's so excited to be a Raptor, and uh, the front future of the franchise looks
1: awesome. My my favorite moment of the year is the RR party's reaction to Scotty getting drafted. Insert that video in right here. <laughs> that brought me the most joy
0: in a long time. Yeah. That's a, those are some bad receipts for some certain players. Um, yeah. I'm going to build on that. My, my moment of the years is, is, is the Scotty Barnes haunts, the Brooklyn nets montage. Um, don't worry, Donna, I found the, uh, uh, the highlight video for that. So you're good. He basically, he, he fucks with James Harden. He like discombobulates Durant and then, like bear rips the ball out of durant's hands like all in the course of several possessions and it was kind of like those are the series of games where before our very eyes were like okay this guy is way more advanced than we ever thought and like we have something here so i mean that was kind of like those that was one of the many turning points in how we conceived scotty barnes this year
1: my my moment of the year is yeah I guess I put Matt and Jack. <laughs> what game was that even? It was some blowout game. Was it and, the Hazers? And here's the clip. San see, see Diego. Who was it? Right? Ron Jeremy? Is that right? Ron Burgundy, Anchorman.
0: Ron Burgundy. I don't know. Ron somebody. Ron somebody. Ron somebody. Ron Howard. <laughs> what did I say? <see.
2: laughs> Ron Burgundy, right? Be Classy C- San Diego. And he had the crazy jacket.
1: <laughs> and basically, Matt and Jack are just talking about Jack. said uh, It says Ron Jeremy instead of Ron Burgundy. And, and Matt's laugh is is just too good like I, I like when someone when people are like live doing something and they're like no literally stop it like you actually have to stop because you're hurting you're making me laugh and and you're also doing inappropriate things for tv so i i was i was thoroughly enjoyed that from my couch
0: i also sometimes wonder if devlin's giggle is put on but then like you hear how raw it is in that clip and you're like oh that's just actually how he laughs no, he was dying for sure yeah yeah, yeah. okay quickly moving on um now we're at individual performance of the year. We can, we've kind of like landed on these uh, intermittently, but um, we can do it anyway. Um, or an individual performance of the year.
1: Um, well, yeah, mine was Philly. So I'll like, yeah. I just talked about all the reasons why, but it yeah. was when Siakam put up 37, 12, and 12 against philadelphia recently and it just encouraged me for a potential playoff series and also uh, uh, lastly on that it also i think was the defining all nba game for him with like all of all of the americans watching so late in the season that i think more than any game uh, in his entire season made him like get put on ballots for people who are undecided up until then
0: yeah i'll, I'll also go because i'm i'm the redundant too it's the minnesota game for me like not the best shooting performance 12 mm-hmm. points on five and 15 but 13 assists 10 boards a steal on a block and he was a plus 27 um and I, like similarly this is just kind of like this is more evidence for that all nba like the versatility the team leadership the, like being the best player on the floor when you have the best shooting big of NBA history opposing you, yeah.
1: Cat is incredible. Do you guys see him last night? Yeah. Oh my god, he's the very
0: best. Sorry. Um. Um, So yeah, that's that's my individual.
2: I kind of had a different interpretation. Clearly, I'm picking the game, the individual performance that I maybe isn't necessarily the best for the one I enjoyed the most, which was Gary um, at Phoenix. I believe it was on March 11th. It was a big win for the Raptors, so I guess it was significant. But it was just like the dude hit eight threes, thirteen for you know for from 20, uh, thirteen of twenty one from the field. You know he's shooting like he's shooting eight for eleven from three. So basically seventy three percent from threes, sixty two percent from the field. He, he scored forty points, only one assist, which kind of makes the game more fun to me. Eight rebounds and just the way he was getting that forty it was just like. It, it was, I mean, when people talk about, like, uh, there's a joke going around about, like, Pascal has, like, his ethical 30 ball, like, no foul grifting, all of that. Like, Gary is the exact opposite. Almost every every shot, whether it goes in or not, he's flailing his arms and legs everywhere. You know, he he's, like, everything's a jump shot, and he's, his facial expressions are so funny. So give me that. I thought it was, that was the individual performance of the year that I, that really stuck with me as in, like, what's <laughs> the most fun game I think maybe
0: I watched that year? Yeah, it's a good choice. It is very entertaining when he goes, lights out.
1: He's going to do that, like, at least once in this series. You he know, like, you, he's, like, guaranteed to put up a 30-ball one game, and he's also
0: guaranteed to go for, like, one for 12. I was just going to say, game. he's going to win us X games, and he's going to lose us Y games. Fill yeah. in, Can you fill in those, or you don't know? I actually don't know, but... I know it's some forty-seven. Three covered. and two, <laughs> which means this impact in the series is huge. Um, okay, let's go to big. We're almost done, listeners. We got a couple more left. Maybe we can get through this one quickly. Biggest surprise, Kyle. You start. Yeah, we have the same one. I'll let you
2: kind of yeah. really get into the meat of it. It's it's For me, it was pretty obviously Scotty. Like I thought he was basically going to be like a hustle hustle points type of player. And uh, it turns out he's actually a superstar. So <laughs> there Not
1: we sad. go. Yeah, you know, funnily enough, I like was always on Scotty from back in the draft day. I was like, they have to pick Scotty. No, I'm lying. I actually
2: not. remember that. Now that I think about it, you know, we can go back. We can go back and uh, and watch because you know there, our digital footprint is so I've deleted they everything. Lives. I deleted <laughs> we everything can go back and watch
1: from the internet. But to I'm get into the real me meat, safe. to get into the meat of it, no, like. Uh, we'll play this clip here as you can see as I'm talking there's this clip and it just shows why I think Scotty is so good and why he's become so likable but also how he's contributed to winning even as a rookie is just like he he's so advanced in terms of how he reads the game and this clip in particular you can kind of see he looks he looks off at the three point shooter and makes like this split second decision to go block the attempt at the rim and it's just like it's it's insane that he reads the game that quickly. Like we've had issues with his defense at times and and that's because sometimes he can get caught like being too focused on help I think that he loses his own man. But when he does kind of get it right and when when he does act as a helper or when he has to like for example defend 2 on the weak side, he's just so smart about picking the right read and and like this clip more than anything just shows like he made this decision in in such a quick succession and then to still have the length to actually like execute it is just uh it's what makes him so ahead of schedule
0: there's definitely scotty I, the thing about scotty is, is like um i don't know it's hard to be surprised i mean all rookies are kind of surprising in some way like you don't really know what you're going to get in the nba level so i went with gary um I was kind of down on Gary coming into this year only because I don't really love his style of basketball <laughs> um and I didn't anticipate the defensive side like I know fundamentally he's not the best defender, he's like a gambler, he's over aggressive, he can get distracted, whatever, but like that's also what nurse wants from him. they kind of want him to be that like chaotic catalyst to just like. You know, throw caution to the wind and disrupt what's going on. Um, he's had twelve, twenty eight or more point games this year, two, forty or more. He's had nine games where he's had four or more steals. He's fourth in steals. He's fifth in total de- deflections. Like he, he even though he has shorter arms and he's not six, seven to six, nine, he fits the profile of what the Raptors want to do on the defensive end in the sense that he's like getting hands on balls and, and, you know, like being a part of that, that larger uh, chaotic ecosystem. And I think like, he's our dog. Like he's the guy that's got the swagger. That's got the, like, I'm better than all of you um, that like that this team kind of needs. Cause they get a little sleepy headed sometimes or like reserved almost. And, Gary's the guy that is really like undaunted by anybody. And you saw with Pat Beverly, as annoying as it might be sometimes, you do need that to like boost the morale of the team. So I was surprised by all of that from Gary. I didn't really just anticipate that this year it's worth noting about the defense is like okay, although he's a gambler this year, but like
2: I don't if you remember him playing last year, the effort is completely different. Like he's engaged at least. He might yeah. you might you could even argue that he's too engaged. He's trying to get in the role at every moment. He's he's like every every like cross court pass is an opportunity to jump a pass and run all of that when he maybe shouldn't be doing it. But at least he looks like he's trying out there because I mean I had very very low hopes for him defensively after last year.
1: Yeah, two of my favorite quotes of the year came about Gary's defense. One was Ken Birch saying, I've never seen someone be that bad to that good in one year. <laughs> and one was Nurse being like, in the off season, we had a talk, and I was like, listen, man, I need you to play like this on defense and still do this on offense. And Gary's like, you want me to do all that? <laughs> and it's just like, we don't do that in the Western Conference. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a good pick.
0: It also, he also, uh, uh, like, to that point, he attests to Nurse's leadership, right? That, like, he just got freshly paid, and the coach is able to go to him and tell him that, like, I want you to bust your ass on defense first. Like, that's that that's a testament to Nurse. Uh, okay, moving along from biggest surprise to the most disappointing player of the year. This one, there are, I feel like there are only a few candidates, so... Um, Kyle, we are. Yeah. Mine. It hurts me to say this, but it's OG.
2: It's OG and Anobi. Um, if you just look at the raw stats, not only has he not taken the step that was like promised by some people in the offseason, he's actually had a worse year and uh, you could say, Oh, he's been injured this year. He was injured last year. Um, his field goal percentage is down 37 points. His, um, his attempts have gone up. So fine, you can say higher volume. He's taking about the same amount of threes and he went from a basically a 40% three-point shooter last year to a 36% three-point shooter this year. And I get that the shot difficulty is up for him. He's he's taking more shots later in shot clocks, et cetera. But like he's he has like, you know, such a reputation as like the the piece of this franchise is going to take us to the next level and this is like because people gravitated og because he has a physical profile etc but he just didn't live up to the hype this year and it, it pains me to say that so much and i think it's a good it's a good cautionary tale about like why um not every single player can be that like superstar and be expected to take a, a certain leap in year three to four or four to five or two to three even like that some guys are just role players and you know, it's, it's okay for them to be role players without every off season being like, well, OG's going to take a tremendous leap this year. You guys will have no idea what you're about to see from OG. Cause frankly, that was a big miss. And I was part of, I was one of the people who missed.
0: Yeah. I, I don't entirely agree, but I, I see where you're coming from. I think, I think a lot of it had to do with our expectations just being too high. It's not like he was yeah. that bad. It's but that's what league. disappointment
2: is. It's like yeah. reality versus yeah. expectation. I don't think that let me I do I think he's a terrific player. I think he's no, no, like, a top three role player in the entire NBA, but I'm just saying like be... the
0: bottom of the disappointment isn't that deep. It's just that we had such a high expectation of course.
1: Yeah.
0: You're yeah, not mad, like, you're just disappointed, basically. Yeah, exactly.
1: And it could, you know, I'm still not, not like the thing is, I was never like a guy who was like, "OG is going to save this franchise, trade Siakam, build around." Like, I was never that. But I also think that with all the injuries, it was it was he never had the opportunity this year to kind of become a primary option, and that's because he kept getting injured. And like, maybe that, you know, maybe I I could totally see a situation a season from now where. A couple of guys go down, and now it's OG. Oh, we need you to to do this for us, and and he actually runs with that opportunity. Like I don't think that's out of the cards, just because it didn't happen this year. But no, the I... circumstances around this year, and they were partly his fault. Um, just what was disappointing for sure. I mean, he did have
0: that opportunity at the beginning of the year, and it was pretty ugly. But but I mean, was that, it pretty doesn't... ugly? I uh, yeah. Remember the Knicks game? He had like, we, we two uh, games where he was actually efficient. Yeah, we have I'll the moratorium to the
1: Knicks game whenever We up. have a moratorium
0: on the Knicks game <laughs> Trust me, them, you'll between find eight it, you'll find no it Knicks in the Knicks like I wish I like I wish it went differently. Um,
1: I have I have a different most disappointing ahead. player and it's like it's Malachi Flynn and you know people will say but he had that stretch and he looks so good and and he's been playing the best basketball really of his career recently which he has but you know The reason really more than any reason that i can't like in all in my good heart pick the raptors to like go to the conference final or like actually make a deep run is just because of the load fred and siakam have had to carry this season and i have to kind of blame malachi for that like we went into the season being like okay malachi and someone yet to be mentioned who will be mentioned are gonna man the backup point guard spots and then and then Fred will get his rest, Siakam and Barnes will get their rest whatever. And it just turned out that he could not do what they needed for him to do for the vast majority of the season. Yeah. Fred played the most amount of minutes in the entire league and kind of the rest is history. Like I'm happy that we're in the playoffs and that Fred like I'm not criticizing Nurse for playing Fred that much. I'm just saying that that's a roster issue. That Malachi could have fixed. So he's my disappointment.
0: Yeah. The the way he played in the summer league, you know, sometimes the summer league can be really misleading. And it was with Flynn. It looked like he was ready. I agree. I thought he was going to come in and at least give like 10 to 15 minutes. It's a goddamn shame that that hamstring strain happened because he really was mm-hmm. figuring it out. Like the way he played, the tempo, his like touch, all of those things, he was playmaking more than he had been. So it's really too bad that he got, uh, Hit with that hamstring strain, but it took him a while to get there. Which is a nice segue to my goddamn disappointment of the year is Goran fucking Dragic. I've been you know. I really defended that trade. I like people were hating on him, they didn't get it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is lemonade out of lemons kind of situation. Like he's he could be a veteran leader. He ha he is he like he might be cheap or whatever, but he's a gritty fucking dude, or he was. Um, and like I think he could have been the locker room presence that Thad Young has has served this team, um, and he definitely could have uh, given us 10, 15 minutes a game. He definitely, if he had just waited two months, if he had just like bided his time and bought in and done everything that the Raptors do, he would have been playing major minutes. Like We had so many injuries that he would have been like possibly starting at times, and instead he was his cranky old self He went to Slovenia under, like, false pretenses, and he fucked off to Miami, and now he's on a team that's probably going to sink and doesn't really even need him anyway. So he really, like, I'm very disappointed in how that all turned out.
2: Yeah, I guess my thing with Dragic was like, yeah, what were your expectations? What what did you expect? Like, it's like you're eating like five-day-old takeout being like, I can't believe I got sick from this. It's like, <laughs> what, what what did you think was going to happen? There was no way. The moment I saw him as part of the Lowry trade, I was like, oh, salary filled, they probably cut him.
0: Or no, he, he was like frozen garlic believed. bread. Yeah, I never like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good like at night <laughs> when I'm like, I need a snack. And then you put it in the microwave you're like, what have I done?
2: <laughs> Either way. Yeah, I, my expectations were like basically at the floor. So
0: I guess maybe maybe you had more faith than Goran. Okay, Goran. Fi- <laughs> Goran. Okay, final two are quick. There to be uh, a mo- an opportunity for you to brag and then an opportunity for you to be humble. Actually, we'll do both at the same time per yeah. person. So, uh, Oren, you can choose what you want to do first. What was oh, your best take yeah. of the year, and what was your worst take of the year?
1: Yeah, I'll do it in that order because yeah. I like to leave off like degrading my taste. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So my best take of the year, um, there's tape of it. Is <laughs> I
2: tape all of these, baby? <laughs> <it is safe. laughs> we do too anything. much on the internet.
1: Yeah, no. Like my my best take was just that. I believed in precious all along. And more importantly, I believed in like the Raptors taking the long approach with him, where we got on this show a lot and, and people know names were like, why is precious shooting threes? Why is precious handling in transition on and on? And it's like, and it's like, you gotta l- give people reps if they're ever going to improve this stuff in game. And as we've seen now, he's improved all of that stuff and he's become a really reliable contributor and he's become a guy with the upside to where I I think his upside is one of the highest on the on the team. So, yeah, that was my best take was just that I, I kind of saw the upside with Precious. And I still am probably higher on him than a lot of people are, because I think at the five position, you don't often find guys who can play that position
0: and do all the other things that he does. Dude, I get um, anxiety about how we're going to pay him. And like everybody else, like a really weird thing to
1: get anxiety about, man. I, Good don't, be, to have. don't be a
0: Nate Duncan. Like
1: that's what Nate Duncan gets anxiety about. But anyways, <laughs> my worst take of the year was coming into it. Uh, I shared this with a lot of people, not you guys, but it was that Fred would not be successful as the guy with the ball in his hands. The mo- majority of the game playing and- that traditional point guard role. You know, I always thought of him more as an off-ball shooter, or at least that was his best skill, and he proved me wrong just in terms of you can put the ball in his hand and, and ask him to make the decisions, and he'll give you a really good offense. Now, it might not be the best offense on this team, as we've talked about, but he's still a, a far above-average point guard, an above-average pick-and-roll guy, and he he proved me wrong in that regard. Yeah. I think it proved a lot of us wrong.
0: Kyle.
2: Absolutely. Uh, my best and worst are almost directly correlated, but I would say like best take was early on the season. I was really adamant about like getting Scotty the rock and letting him take over for stretches. I still think they don't do it enough, but his, his usage has increased throughout the year and it's, it's paid dividends. Like, you know, if you go back to the first month of the year, um, like, yeah, he was still involved. He's probably still probably leading the rookie of the year race, but his, he's, he's so much more involved in the team's offense, like as, as part of structure, even like the way that the nurse is organizing the minutes, like Scotty has moments to himself now on the court, which I think we were kind of talking about a lot early in the year, which is like, how do we get Scotty, to, how do we find Scotty touches with all these other guys? They, they figured it out. And uh, my worst take was around draft time or even, uh, you know, like, Immediately at the beginning of the season, like I was of the opinion that Scotty's jump shot was completely broken and there's nothing they could do to fix it. And I think even at the time, like, I mean, i I uh- I'm no shot doctor. I was playing basketball today. Not only am I missing jump shots, I'm missing layups. I'm missing floaters. Like I'm missing it all. So maybe I, even at the time I shouldn't have uh, considered myself so confident, but he's figured out like he's clearly had, gets a lot of reps up with the form he has and whatever problems that you might identify, like just watching it, he's got the reps in and and that's kind of how shooting works in the NBA. Like Steph Curry does, has completely imperfect form. His knees are pointed, like they're touching each other when they shoot. And sometimes it's just like, Dude, you, you just get enough shots up with your certain form, you can become a shooter. And that's not to say Scotty's like a tremendous
0: shooter now, but he's way exceeded expectations. Yeah. He's still got a lot to work on, but it's you're right. It's definitely hot, like further ahead than you would have thought. Okay, my turn. Um, mine are luckily written in a piece I wrote of one of my 10 things at the preseason. So that you, it's actually quoted, but... One of the big ones, as I said, towards – I literally said towards the end of the year, Precious may be the piece de resistance of this team's offense, which is like if we think about it now, it's like him coming off the the bench and giving us the three-point shooting and everything else has been like the icing on the cake of this team's offense that has really struggled um, throughout the year at times. Uh, I also said in that article that deflections would, would indicate the success of this team. They obviously lead the league in deflections. And I think like that's like kind of a bellwether as to how how effective this defense would be because at the beginning of the year we didn't know. This was like a really innovative like 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 idea, really, and and it, it was a risk. Like I think Masai was pretty confident about it, but it was a risk to run a team that had no big. Um, and so I think I think that's paid off obviously. Um and then my final one was that Scotty was going to like eat down low and I think like you said oh that does not come across well. Um like you, said, <laughs> like, you <laughs> like you said Kyle like they don't do it enough and I wish they would because uh he he feasts down there. Uh, yeah, he eats down low. He's, he's really good down there. <laughs> we
2: might get Don to edit this out if you're in the Twitter spaces. Like you, no. guys. This is a, the raw version no. of this I put podcast. my foot in my mouth
0: all the time. We got to let it roll. My worst take hit my wallet hard. I bet OG and Anobi as most improved player. I did too. I did too. Nice. I See, really you thought. Guys, you guys are suckers. See, right. but that's you the difference can... between me. I like to lose money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just the really massacres. thought oh, we talked whatever yeah, injuries did not help him. I think really usage did not help him. There was too much growth on this team all at once between Precious, Fred, Pascal, Scotty, um, OG, just kind of like and Gary. <laughs> like OG, just there was no room for him to spread his wings, and uh, and so that was my my very biggest miss.
1: Amen. I don't oh. think
2: you're alone in that. I think you're yeah. you're in a pretty good company with that miss. Um, okay,
0: we're gonna get the hell out of here before we uh, hit an hour. Uh, everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you gotta like this pod, this pod, this YouTube video. You gotta comment. You gotta subscribe. You have to. And you have to. You just got to because this is how we make our skrilla, and then gamble it and lose it all. So mm-hmm. do that. Um, we're going to do this again on Friday to preview the series that's on Saturday. Uh, I think it's going to be the three of us plus Sahal. So Sahal
1: stands better be here.
0: Yeah. And I know there's a lot of you out there who favor him over all of us. So, um, tune in for that. Don, you're a goddamn saint. He has to go edit this, uh, and, overlay it with video footage, blah, blah, blah. So thank you, Don, for producing. And uh, we'll catch you all later. Go Raptors!